Last week, the Indiana Grad Workers Coalition announced preparations for a strike vote in early April. This step was provoked by IU administrators who have stonewalled recognition of a grad workers union despite the supermajority of IU grad workers who have signed union cards. This sequence, including recent grad workers protests at the IU Board of Trustees meeting, reminded us of the last time IU went on strike in 2013. Today, we are sharing an interchange episode covering the lead up to that strike, originally aired on March 5th, 2013. Two undergraduate organizers, Sam Harrell and Tucker Lang, described the political context and strategy of that strike movement, which was born out of anti-student debt protests and the Occupy Wall Street movement. In 2012, undergraduates took over the IU Board of Trustees meeting and turned their back on the trustees, using Occupy-based methods of non-hierarchical communication to conduct an assembly exposing the tragic cost of high student debt loads. Later that year, mass assemblies called for a strike in the spring of 2013, eventually catalyzing undergrad and grad picket lines, a sick out strike by staff, and the occupation of Woodburn Hall by hundreds of students and faculty members. As the two interviewees describe, the strike was a method to bring together wide ranging discontent at IU, from anger about tuition hikes, to the staff wage freeze, to the historic underrepresentation of black students. Some of the demands have shifted since 2013, Yet we are glad that Interchange was able to preserve some of the reflections from that struggle in order to put them into dialogue with the contemporary grad workers movement. Here is WFHB's news director emeritus, Joe Crawford, interviewing Sam and Tucker. Community radio. It's about real people. Not sound bites. Not more talking heads. Not on this show. Interchange is a community access media forum fostering unfiltered open dialogue on the people, issues, and events impacting life in South Central Indiana and beyond. Conversations that challenge the ways we perceive the world around us. Real people. Real issues. This is your forum. This is Interchange. Welcome to Interchange. I am your host, uh, Joe Crawford, and I am joined tonight on Interchange by Samantha Harrell and Tucker Lang. Uh, Both Samantha and Tucker are IU students who are helping to organize a two-day strike on April 11th and 12th. They strike for uh, students and faculty. Uh, Welcome to you both. Welcome to Interchange. Hi. Um, So so tonight we're going to... uh, talk at at some length about the strike. We're going to introduce our two guests, talk a little bit about how they uh, have come to be involved in helping organize the strike and uh, and just generally how this the idea for the strike came about. And then, you know, we want to talk some about the the demands that have that uh, some people involved with the strike have made and uh, and a little bit just generally about about what the what the idea is, you know, what's what's uh, what's the impact that this can have. And so I guess, first of all, could each of you just tell us a little bit about who you are? You're both undergraduate students. You're both involved in, in the strike. But uh, can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved with activism and what, what sort of other things that you've been involved in? Oh, hi, I'm Sam, and I'm a senior at the IU School of Social Work. I've been interested in um, issues around tuition and austerity um, related to education in our state. I work in social services. I intern at the Shalom Community Center. 
I work for the Interfaith Winter Shelter System, um, and I've been volunteering in other shelters for the past four years in Bloomington. Um, so education and poverty are very um, dear to me, and uh, that's kind of um, why I became involved. Um, I don't know if you want to go into personal motivations. Yeah, yeah, sure, go ahead. Um, well, I'm a, I'm not just a first generation college, I'm a first generation high school student. Um, and I was lucky enough, um, to get a lot of scholarships. So I don't have any debt. I get a stipend. Um, I get paid to go to school and cause I was told I had to, you know, my parents told me, um, that that was the only way I was going to college. I have a twin brother who is just as smart as me, um, but um explain what you mean by first generation high school student high school student neither of my parents graduated high school um, my dad dropped out in the ninth grade and my mom in the 10th grade um my dad's a painter and my mom um, is unemployed um so we didn't know anything about college or how to get into college luckily i had um very supportive teachers and guidance counselors um and i but I was told that I just had to work really hard. If I wanted to get my education paid for it, if I wanted to go to college, I, I had to take all the AP classes um, and I had to volunteer all the time. And like I said, my, my brother, who was just as smart as me, um, just that seemed daunting to him and he um, wasn't up to the task. So when I got to college and I had this full ride plus a stipend, I was so proud of myself, you know, and I thought my brother was so lazy and I just thought I deserved it and I deserved it so much more than him. And, you know, when I started um, studying social work and studying poverty um, much more in depth and learning about my experiences um, growing up in poverty, I, I just it kind of dawned on me that I I didn't work harder. I was I was just lucky. I got one of those limited amount of scholarships. There were plenty of students out there um, who were also working 20, 30 hours a week while they were in school. There were plenty of students in my AP classes who didn't go to college, who didn't apply because they they didn't think it was worth living in debt, um, or their parents just told them it was too much money. Don't do it. Get a job. Um, so that that kind of was my turning point, my motivation, when I realized that I didn't necessarily deserve this privileged education, um, but I was just lucky. And I don't want it to be a game. I don't think higher education should be something that you win. Um, if you want to go to college and if you um, think it can make your life better and it can help you attain your goals, then I don't think money should be a factor. And that's really important to me, and that's why I'm involved in this organizing this strike. Tucker? Uh, I'm Tucker. I'm a sophomore studying history. Um, <clears throat> I've got involved uh, with like educational struggles mostly because a, a lot of similar reasons, not I was able I was able to get like help from my parents for school. I'm still in I still have accrued some debt, but not um, I was still like, able to come or whatever. Uh, but a big motivation for me was to see like all of these people like that I like interacted with or like was surrounded by that like were struggling so much just to be able to go to class. You know, they were they were just like swamped and 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 like 
I felt I felt this sort of similar, like a very priv- like a privilege because I didn't have to work so hard, and like I realized that nobody again should have to work that hard to be able to get into like to get into school, and and everybody should be able to uh, have the experience of university because it's like a really uh, like eye opening place and like culturally. Uh, you know, it's supposed to be a place where uh, people develop and you like sort of learn about the world and like relate to other people. And like, that's sort of where like the core of like a decent like society or whatever is, I guess. Um, And as it's like deteriorating, like it's like a really sad thing. Um, So I like, I really wish to uh, help be part of the change to like, I don't know, create a more like interesting and not so um, stratified society, I guess. And so, uh, let's talk about the, the idea for a strike then. How did, um, you know, clearly you both are interested in, uh, participating in, um, in, in activism in in some way, but why, but why, why a strike? Uh, so I think some of the, the big uh, motivation for like specifically like the tactic of a strike, um, came out of, uh, assemblies that were going on earlier this year, um, there was, I don't want to talk maybe too much necessarily about last, like what is the past. I don't know if there's going to be different questions or surrounding that, but this year we like felt like that there was a lot of momentum coming out of last year. Like there were some really cool things that happened, but um, there still needed to be something that like motivated people to like put like um, a lot of effort or like, I don't know, something that people were able to like latch on to and, um, like feel like they were part of like some sort of student movement or some sort of like movement that was um, beyond just like uh, an assembly or like these, you know, disparate like marches that would happen every once in a while. And so it was like sort of a way to like solidify this like discontent that has been growing um, and and, uh, use it as a tool to like move forward with uh, like solidifying this student movement or some sort of uh, movement for higher education. Yeah, and if I could add a couple things. Um, I think <clears throat> what I've been telling, I've been giving class presentations all over campus about the strike and why the strike. And um, one reason I see the strike as, a, as um, a good tactic to choose at this point is because while a lot of people want to turn to policy, because um, we, we realize that um, this is an administrative and a, a state issue that would require a lot of policy change, um, what I think... Um, the, my motivation for the strike is that, like all kinds of direct action, it's getting to that point where we realize that we have to stop asking for something that apparently our state has no interest in giving us. <laughs> um, that when when there's this many people suffering, and when the people who, when the students and the workers who are really being oppressed by um, this lack of legislative action, um, aren't being listened to, then I don't think asking does anything. I think a strike shows um, is a show of force that um, signifies a demand for a right um, and entitlement to an education um, and to livable wages for campus workers. And and also, I think it was motivated by all the examples we're seeing um, around the country, and especially Quebec, um, with three over three hundred thousand students, workers, faculty, last spring um, starting a. a a huge student movement um, in Quebec against their tuition, their proposed tuition hikes. Um, that was very motivating. And they were, 300,000 people were striking a tuition increase to only $3,798 a year. Um, 
so it was pretty motivating <laughs> to realize that if, if and, and it was effective, they had they haven't increased the tuition there. So there's good examples, and and people are striking at campuses across the United States um, too. We, uh, we had a really good talk from people at Cooper Union um, who were striking um, for proposed tuition there. And then people on the West Coast are, are striking and protesting there. And let's talk a little bit about what did what has happened at IU in the past uh, year or two. Uh, have you have you each been involved in you know, there have been actions at Board of Trustees meetings in the past year or two? Um, you know, there have also been there was certainly there were some student issues associated with the Occupy movement when, uh, you know, which began in 2011, I guess, extended until maybe the very beginning of 2012, I think maybe it was when it was shut down. But uh, were, were you each involved in that? And can you say how, if the, that was related to what's going on now? Yeah, I think a, a lot of, a lot of people um, who are interested in are working on this um, were involved in all of those things. Um, the board of trustees, um, action involved a lot of people who are working on it now, but I mean, the organization was really, I think the organization of the organizing was um, really organic. You know, it just, it's, it's really, it's just, it's that one person saying, Hey, I'm starting to realize this is insane. And then people identifying with one another and then wanting to do something about it. So um, I think people who were involved with Occupy U and people who were involved with the board trustees meeting and people who were involved with the, mass assemblies in the fall um there's definitely overlap between between those uh those events and explain a little bit about what those different events were i mean i think a lot of people know more or less what occupy was Mm -hmm. um although you could talk a little bit about how that that might have brought people together but i mean what happened at the board of trustees meetings and what what are these mass assemblies you're talking about okay so the board of trustee meeting last spring um a group of undergraduate and graduate students and community members um, decided to attend the meeting and kind of um, reject the idea that there isn't public comment. Um, so, it, well, that's one of the ideas that we were we were rejecting. Also, um, that it's not a democratic representation of campus. Most of the people um, on the board of trustees are unelected, are appointed um, by the governor. A lot of them don't live in Indiana. Um, they don't, and they don't, we believe, do not represent the interests of our students. The um, one student trustee is also unelected. So there, there's lots of issues with the, the governance of the board of trustees, but also they are, you know, the owners of the university. So um, there's a, a big interest in getting their attention. So a group of um, students, workers, um, community members went to the board of trustees meeting and held a meeting in the same room as their meeting in a more democratic fashion um, to kind of um, show an example of how we kind of, the idea that we think of how universities should be ran. Um, and it was really interesting, especially, you know, whenever the board trustees got on their topic of, of student tuition and student debt, um, yeah. they didn't have any, <laughs> they really didn't have anything to say. Um, and because they're not experiencing it um and and it was okay and also so that meeting was like really perfect uh because it as as there was this like group that had, that had this assembly like right next to the the trustees they like the whole time they were trying to like you know shush us or like or like try, i don't know it was just like it was just like a perfect representation about of like the the 
uh, like misrepresentation or something of the board of trustees and like the students. And so, I don't know, I felt like that was just like a really like powerful moment. And like, that was like, that just showed that gives that then to bring this back to the other point, this is why sort of it, it gives precedent to the strike because it's like a way we were trying to say then, you know, you got to listen to us or like, if you're, I mean, if you're not going to, then we're going to do something bigger. And this was sort of like, this is like the next show of force or whatever, I guess. And there were plenty of, um, attempts made to talk to the trustees ahead of time to to talk about increasing public comment period um any our grievances and um have there been uh have there been any responses from the board of trustees since then i mean is there at all a dialogue do you feel like between students who have serious concerns about tuition and fees and other issues and the board of trustees so the well so okay so the administration or the board of trustees often, instead of like speaking directly, since like they're too important or something, uh, like send, like so after after the trustees meeting, they proposed this like town hall meeting where they were going to, you know, uh, come talk to us and we were going to discuss these grievances. So it sounded like it was going to be a good thing. But then they sent, like the vice provost, the dean. And like the director of student life and learning who, who like have no actual voting power or say like in the like trustee, like in the governance of the university. So it was just like, it was like, it could have been this really cool thing if like the trustees actually and like McRobbie would have like come and sat down and like, like talk, like negotiated or talked about this. But it was, it just seems like so much of a cop out to, to, to send these like, un, not unimportant, but like in the in the context of the governance of the university unimportant people and so like that's just sort of like the tone that has been set kind of with uh dealing or like the dialogue with the trustees it's just always this like weird mediation that they don't seem to like actually want to discuss like there's been no attempt to like actually like themselves talk just it's always sending their like you know lower people to you know whatever talk to us i guess mm -hmm. And before we, uh, we, we'll take a break here in just a minute, but I'm curious to know if you have seen any signs or if you, if you think that there's a possibility that, that something could change uh, with this strike, if this could bring about uh, something that could actually uh, change their mind somehow. Uh, there's, there's, I think there, I think there definitely could be. I think there's like lots of uh, people who are really interested in trying to, um, like, uh, increase this dialogue between the the board of trustees and like the student population. Like, I, there's, I think, initiatives that could be formed would be to try to get more students, like, uh, like actual voting. You know what I mean? There could be, like, ways of trying to create initiatives to get uh, students that are democratically elected and workers and staff to like increase that. But that will be a, a long and hard process because of the like first of all the bureaucracy of the university and also just it's the board of trustees is a like legislative thing so it's like there's like there's just it's like this very complex issue to even get more govern like more say in the university um just because of all of these uh yeah hoops or whatever and i think i think um what the strike will do in my opinion will be just put a fire um under the people in charge, I think we've heard, you know, there's a lot of faculty, um, even some administrative people who who have said in different ways that they 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 agree and they understand, you know, with the grievances. But I think even a lot of the people who um, could provide a lot of power to this don't feel empowered yet. So I think I think that a show of force um, will encourage both the administration. Um, and the state 
that it, that it is the time. I mean, it'll, it just put pressure on them from a PR perspective and from a practical perspective. You don't want your students um, in the streets. <laughs> uh, you are listening to Interchange. Uh, we're joined tonight by Tucker Lang and Samantha Harrell, both IU students, both uh, organizers of the strike on April 11th and 12th at Indiana University. We will return in a minute and we'll talk a little bit about what what is what is being asked of those who who want to participate in this strike and what they uh, you know what some of the issues that uh, that are have been discussed around the strike we'll talk about that right after this break Welcome back to Interchange. I am your host tonight, Joe Crawford, and I am joined by Samantha Harrell and Tucker Lang, both IU students, both organizers of a strike on April 11th and 12th. We've been talking about uh, sort of how how each of these guests came to be involved in activism and, and what the general issues that they feel like uh, have brought about a need for a strike. And I, I wanted to talk now just about what it means to have a two-day strike. What are you asking of the, the students, the, the faculty uh, who would participate in a strike at IU? Um, well, first I'd like to talk a little bit about what we're expecting before the strike um, from people, what we're asking. And um, um, the first thing we're asking is for people just to, to support the outreach in any way possible, whether or not it's just when being asked, saying they agree with the idea that education should be accessible or that um, they agree with any of the demands that have been presented, um, and then telling their professors, telling their classmates and their clubs, um, and then spreading the word and spreading their testimonies. That's a big, big thing. We really want people to, um, to be comfortable talking about their debt and their experiences and how many hours they're working and their kids and how many years they've been in school because... I believe that the idea of of being in debt for school has become really normalized and people are very passive and I don't think they should be. I think it's alarming and we need to kind of reignite that that feeling that this is not okay. Um, but on the days of the strike, I think the number one thing we're asking is that people do not go to class, which we think is a pretty easy request, <laughs> we hope. For workers, it's very different. Workers are not allowed to strike. Um, than their contract, and also, and also, along with that, the uh, yeah, like t- t- uh, workers, um, it, it's a no strike clause, like in their contract. So they, so like, there's um, 
got to be there's got to be a lot of um interesting or like creative ways that we can like help people um be able to participate in ways that won't get them in trouble necessarily like um something like there's just been a lot of ideas that we've been toying with to like diffuse accountability or something like so that people can't you can't pinpoint necessarily who like did it to like get people in trouble or whatever um like a lot of ideas for students, for example, because graduate students have this concern as well that like if they don't have class, it's in their contract that they have to have class every day. And if they don't, um, then they can get in trouble as well. Um, they can lose their funding or they can lose their stipends and things. Um, so there's um, plans. Well, there's different there's different ways of doing it. There's not like a cohesive uh, one thing necessarily, but like... Um, the so like the idea of a walkout could be a really powerful thing um to um try like to like so as to not get the graduate like they're like professors or like whoever's in charge of the class in trouble like trying to initiate walkouts all over campus or pickets and people don't cross you know what i mean so like there's just gotta be i don't know that's just that's just something that we have to work with because there is a lot of restrictions and and we don't want people to like risk their livelihoods or whatever but there also are um ways uh, to show support for the strike including including um like wearing the red bat like re wearing red bat squares is like a really easy thing just to show that you're <clears throat> either struggling with that or know somebody who's struggling with that uh workers maybe wear or like in the past wearing like black armbands has been a thing um pickets of workplaces so so that or like workplace like disruptions and things that like other people could come in and do so like not to get you know, workers in trouble, um, but also like disrupt the workplace or whatever. Um, there's, there's many, I don't know, there's all kinds of things, I guess. Yeah. So there's lots of different ways that we anticipate um, departments and different groups of people will not participate in classes that day. Um, but the idea is in whatever capacity people can to not participate in classes like they normally would. And then if they can go beyond that, there's going to be host of activities all over campus that will be very highly publicized um, that some people are organizing now, but also individual groups such as <clears throat> Greek organizations, grad students, I mean, just the different kind of um, sectors of campus um, are interested in organizing their own things. So closer to the strike, we'll know more about the specific activities people can be involved in. But um, the kind of baseline is not not letting the university function as it typically does on these two days, and then participating in alternative activities, if possible, um, and maybe, helping organize those activities. And maybe so this, this is sort of like pretty disparate to like maybe create more of a concrete thing because so it's hard to um, like lay out an exact like like timeline for the day just because so like there's ideas of starting pickets early in the morning. Um, then there's like supposed to be a march at some point that like will go through campus and like try to you know encourage people to walk out. Um, so it's it's like it's hard to say this is what's happening at this exact time because it's like all day is is class and so there's got to be all of these different things going on all throughout the day. But um, yeah, there but there is like like concrete plans for like picket starting pickets early in the morning. Um, there's there's you know walkouts that could happen there's this march that that will hopefully like you know draw people out of class and, and there will be assemblies that are happening to um you know begin organizing within uh, different departments or like different student groups or whatever however it is um i don't know I, well i i wanted to talk about too 
uh, university, the university is obviously a, a pretty big place. I mean, you have, uh, you have students, you have undergraduate students, you have graduate students, you have uh, faculty, you have administrators, there's, you know, the board of trustees, there's, uh, there are any number of, of different kinds of staff. I wonder um, who has been most involved with, with organizing the strike? And um, do you have a sense for uh, whether you're going to have participation from all those different levels or not? I think it's been pretty even between undergraduates and graduates as far as people who've been helping organize. Um, there is a, seems to be a lot of interest from multicultural organizations, from students who are affected by um, a demand we'll talk about later um, regarding the 4% um, of African-American students on campus. And and faculty also have been, so, so uh, there's been all, all sorts of actions on different levels, like the, there's been uh, different faculty caucuses that have like created petitions to, um, um, what's the word? Endorse. Uh, yeah, endorse, endorse the strike and also to say like the administration shouldn't retaliate against the, like the people who are participating in organizing and that is like at nearly 100 signatures. So that's like something to like some sort of concrete thing that like the, you can see throughout the faculty. So like there is this... Um, uh, like all levels, but they're d doing different things. I guess like m maybe the undergrad and grad student graduate students have been doing this like m organizing of like the thing, I guess. But then there's all these different groups that are doing their own things, like uh, that like we're connecting together, I guess, in this day. Yeah, the organizing is very decentralized, so it's really hard yeah. um, for for example, to give numbers. We're getting a lot of interviews from journalism students from the IDS, and a lot of people want numbers. And it's very difficult because um, there's not really... Um, we're not a part of a group that is controlling the outreach efforts or the planning efforts. Um, we are telling people about the idea and then asking them to carry it so and also and also like help them like give like you know they're like when you're talking to people um if who are interested like giving ideas about how they can participate and like sort of like what kind of groups that they're involved with in which they can go back to to like you know organize a teach-in like that's going to be a big thing is um just like all all sorts of teach-ins that are happening throughout the day that have been planned like um by faculty and grad students and all these different levels. So yeah, so it's just it's just a matter of like finding finding people who um, like agree or like have some sort of stake in this, and then um, like finding a way that they can fit in and like what is the most appropriate and how they feel like they can most effectively fit, like fit in with the strike. And let's let's talk about the some of the issues surrounding the strike, some of the issues that have been brought up and, and actually listed in, there's a list of demands that's been posted uh, and, and distributed in, in some, some parts of town. But, you know, it, one of the, at the center of, of a lot of them seem to be cost and tuition and fees is, is near the top there. Um, I think there's a, a figure that's used 45% increase in tuition and fees over the past six years. Uh, let, like, I guess, let's talk about how you know how much tuition fees and those kind of costs have increased? How that's affected students, and do you what do you see as the reasons for for those uh, increases? Yeah. Um, well, we all we all know that um, the tuition is is out of hand. When I go to classes and and start showing charts, um, it's like people are already experiencing that. But what we're seeing is that 
tuition and fees, one of the, I think, the most interesting um, graphs that I use in my presentation shows the rise in college tuition and fees versus the rise in incomes of all levels from the top 1% to the bottom 1%. And what it's showing is that tuition and fees are, are um, raising at an alarming rate that um, is significant for every income level. So college education is becoming inaccessible for absolutely everyone. It's, it, it is only a choice at this point whether or not to, to go in debt or have a family that can somehow pay for it. And students, students are, are hurting. It's disproportionately affecting our minority students, our working students. Um, students with disabilities who are more likely to be living in poverty, um, our older students who are returning, returning to school, and and maybe to and then also to try to answer um, sort of why this is happening. Um, the so when like when talking about this, um, people always um, like the trustees' logic always is oh there's not enough money from the state or whatever. So like um, that that's been that's going to be a that's a crucial issue um, uh, along with nearly all of the issues, especially the, like the more financial or the economic ones. Uh, is that in that like the state has um, significantly decreased funding uh, in the past 40 years of the of the university and now we're at like 18 percent 18 or 17 percent funded publicly and within the next uh, eight years it's going to go down to 10 percent and so the only so the only solution that anybody can come up with is tuition increases service cuts and wage freezes and you know cutting cutting just cutting just cutting basically and so that so that's like been the logic for tuition hikes is that they're, oh, there's just not enough money. This, you know, so, so that's got to be a, like a like a significant point that we have to fight, I guess. I don't know. And, and I think, and this might be a little too um, macro-ish of an answer, but I think one reason that these tuition cuts are being allowed to happen is that, is that we're letting them. Just like when you know social service agencies are massively defunded year after year, I think one reason that can happen is because the legislators know that you know until people are absolutely starving, they're not they might not fight back, and they can put these funds in other places. They can um, invest them in things that don't directly help people that are hurting, and people aren't going. Um, people are being really complacent, and they're just gonna accept this uh this life of debt so i, I think um I don't, I don't know if that's a roundabout answer but i think one reason it's happening is because it can and well, we're trying to change that um and then of course the, the, you know the federal after the uh, the economic crisis the federal funding just dropped completely in 2009 well and and so um you know the board of trustees is you know when they when they're asked why why is tuition increasing, they're saying just what what you're saying, Tucker, and that's that uh, the to, that the state support has decreased. You know, uh, so if the strike is scheduled for April 11th and 12th, which is obviously meant to coincide with the board of trustees meeting, I wonder like what what do you expect of the board of trustees? What do you think that they can do? Um, in this situation, or is that claim that they're that they're making is that legitimate? That that the state has just not supported higher education, and thus they have to increase tuition. That, I mean, it, it like is a legitimate claim coming from the board of trustees, um, but um, 
since they're the ones that are supposed to be running this university, um, like as students, uh, we have to say like at some point, no more, like you have to like, if, if you're going to like be in control of this university, you like have to like stop the, like you need to figure this out or else like you are like delegitimate or something because then you, cause you can't, you're not, uh, adhering to the students needs or whatever. So like that, that I think is a big, um, uh, like part of the strike as well. Like, uh, trying to either create account accountability like to the trustee like to the from the trustees to the students back to the state or else like reform how the government structure works to um either then become a fighting force against the state or um and also to create a more democratic like way of running the university i suppose yeah and um <clears throat> that's that's what i wondered if the audience was meant to be the state government as well um, because the, it is the state legislature, I guess, who con controls a lot of that. Uh, but so, so I guess what, what I'm kind of wondering is, is Indi is Indiana actually worse than other states? Uh, this is obviously a, uh, a nationwide issue. Funding for higher education has fallen off, uh, across the country, but is Indiana actually worse than other states or, or do you know? Uh, it's not, it's not terribly worse at all. Um, most of the, the majority of states cut funding last year um, for higher education. There's there's states that um, are extremely worse. I just read that New Hampshire, they cut 41% last year. I mean, giant cuts, um, which is why I think it's important that, that we are doing this now because we're already hurting and we're seeing that it, it is much worse in many other states and, and we don't want it to get... We don't want it to get to that point, and we want to um, inspire other states to uh, to join the student movement because um, it shouldn't be happening anywhere. But no, Indiana's—it's not the worst state, but it's it's definitely not acceptable. And and it's the other tricky thing about it is is in the end we all end up in the same place with no state funding. It's just a matter of like how quickly they do it. Like Indiana, I guess, has been really good at doing it like super slowly and just like because every year you see it's just like two point five percent increase here and there. So it doesn't like. When you look at that, it doesn't translate to you know thousands and thousands of dollars. But like like when you see that figure uh, where tuition has increased forty five percent over the past six years, um, then like you see how like where it's going. I mean, it's obviously not stopping. So like maybe not like we haven't felt the worst cuts, like the biggest cuts. But you can see where like it's not stopping, and it's just like it's just this attempt to like make it small enough to seem reasonable or something like just slowly do it or slowly cut, I guess. Well, the strike and the strike absolutely addresses both the university um, and the state. And it doesn't, the one frustration I think a lot of students have, a lot of students and faculties and workers have is that while we all do understand that the state is, is funding the university less and less, the university is not um, blameless they they do get a lot of money and, and a lot of students, faculty and staff feel that they do not um, spend it in the best interest of students. Um, and there's some examples of that within the, the demands. And there's examples we're hearing every day, every freshman, sophomore class I've gone to has brought up um, the construction of luxury apartments, attracting students who can afford luxury apartments and um, their dorms that don't have air conditioning. And, and like the, the funding priorities, even on our campus, and while that's obviously not nearly as big of an issue as the state funding, um, the board trustees still has a lot of work they can do with funding on campus, um, with funding of 
capital uh, yeah these big capital projects it's like totally creating stratification within the campus there was uh like this dorm issue is really like a good one because they've they've spent hundreds of millions of dollars building these new luxury dorms that cost thousands of more or like uh, I, can't, I, can't, I don't know the exact number so i don't want to like give misinformation but they're much more expensive than than the other dorms and they've been like splitting how like the luxury the regular and the economy ones and they're they're building only new luxury ones and not the economy ones so like it just doesn't make sense in a time where like we're supposed to be tightening our belts and we're like tuition is is be or, like where university is becoming unaffordable to then build luxury apartments just doesn't make any sense because it's not it's not helping anybody except for the rich basically we are talking with uh, tucker lang and samantha harrell both IU students who are helping organize a strike at Indiana University on April 11th and 12th. Uh, when we come back, we will talk a little bit more about uh, about some of the other issues that, that have been brought up around this strike. We'll discuss those right after this break. Support for WFHB comes from Panache Dance Studio, a locally owned independent dance studio featuring ballroom, Latin, and nightclub dance, as well as dance fitness classes such as Zumba, Bollywood, hip hop, and more. Featuring special offers on your first dance fitness class or your first private lesson. Panache is available by phone at 812-822-0050 with a full schedule of classes online at www.panachedance.com. Welcome back to Interchange. I'm your host, Joe Crawford. I am joined this evening by Tucker Lang and Samantha Harrell, IU students who are involved with organizing a strike at Indiana University on April 11th and 12th. Uh, we have been talking about the dramatic rises in tuition and fees at IU as well as other universities around the state and around the country uh, in this show. And we've been we're talking about some other issues that have been at the center of, of this uh, move toward a, a strike. Um, and I wanted to talk about another that's that's been uh, mentioned on a list of demands that's been circulated around town, and that's uh, the one of, of minority enrollment, uh, what's sometimes called the, the 4%. Um, let's just talk about the history of, of this issue, which is you know African-American enrollment, other minority enrollment at at IU, there was once a, a pledge made by the board to to double that number from 4% to 8%, right? Mm -hmm. Just go ahead and elaborate on that <laughs> issue and, and, and sort of why that's that's an issue for for you guys who are organizing the strike. Yeah. Um, well, that pledge was made um, in 2006 because um, the, the percentage of the NES population of African-American residents was about 8.4%. So... They decided that our university should be representative of our state. Um, so they pledged that by 2013, like you said, we would double our minority enrollment. Um, and for African-American students, that would be 8.4% of um, our students. <laughs> um, and that hasn't happened. We are uh, only about 0.3%. 
um, higher in enrollment as we were in 2006. And, you know, I think for me, this concern um, came to my attention whenever a lot of the uh, African-American and multicultural groups on campus held a rally last spring, was it spring, um, about the 4%. Um, and it was a really strong rally um, where they were demanding to know why uh, why this promise hadn't been kept. Um, and and the reason why I think it's so important is because I think it ties back into number one. You know, when our minority populations are are statistically more likely to live in poverty, if a college education isn't affordable, then that means there's less minority students on campus. Um, so I think... For me, this demand highlights um, the the effects that increases in tuition have and who they disproportionately affect. Um, you know, the university made a lot of promises as to how, or not, well, a lot of vague promises as to how they were going to double that enrollment, which um, included um, supporting the 21st century scholars, the, the groups program, Hudson Holland, um, minority scholarships, um, all of those things have been cut. All of them. A uh, $400,000 grant was pulled from the groups program completely. And the, and the groups program um, is a great program that supports first generation college students, it gives them um, a summer of experience on campus, um, helps them catch, helps those students catch up, um, which is an issue that I think um, the board of trustees brings up a lot is what can we do if minority students in K through 12 education are coming um, to the university behind or they're not testing high enough. So this program, groups program, which targets first-generation college students, not necessarily just African-American students, but is disproportionately African-American in enrollment, um, addresses that. Um, it, it kind of, I think, says to our state that just because K through 12 didn't serve you um, appropriately doesn't mean we're going to deny you um, the opportunity to further your education. So I think they had great ideas on how to how to keep that promise but um but the funding wasn't there and i think that funding um again um involves the university and the state um and yeah. and maybe just in the, like yeah, i think you said most of what i would have said um the the last thing uh is that i guess this year there have been new steps made um, including hiring, I think, a new person that is supposed to, like, th there's there's a new promise that by, like, next fall that there this promise is going to be fulfilled. Um, and um, I think a, crit a critique could be that maybe, um, like, or basically I just, I think that it's a really important um, because we need to keep this accountability of the, like, it comes back to this accountability issue because they've promised this before. And I just want, like, I think it's just important to, keep it like as a forefront issue so it doesn't disappear again and six years later it has to come back i don't know that, that, that that's a sort of a different train of thought but i don't know i just wanted to make that clear i guess and and this issue is not totally dissimilar from the tuition and fees issue which is that it, it has ties with the state as well another one of the demands is related to uh, undocumented students and and the tuition that they uh, are required to pay um you know the, the law as it stands now requires undocumented residents who live in Indiana to still pay out-of-state tuition. Can you talk about why that is part of uh, the demands that, that uh, the strike organizers have, have made? Yes. Um, what we saw last year when SB 590 passed was um, an, an extremely high drop in, in all of our undocumented students who um, 
have spent most of their lives in Indiana. Because um, what we know, of course, is that minority students and particularly undocumented students are much more likely to live in poverty and charging them almost three times um, the amount of tuition they were paying before isn't, um, it doesn't work. So we saw all of those students drop out, um, friends and uh, acquaintances leave the university, um, many who um, were juniors or seniors um, or juniors getting ready to graduate and would have been been seniors. And it was just tragic. Um, and and again, it, it was related um, to tuition and it was related to, honestly, um, racist type, type policies from the state level. And right now, you know, there's a bill um, working its way through called SB 207, um, which is which is kind of confusing. From what we can tell, it would it would if it if it goes all the way through, it would reinstate in-state tuition for students who were enrolled when um, SB 590 went into effect. But we haven't read anywhere that it will um, give in-state tuition to any any incoming or new students. So um, you know. It's a step in the right direction, but it doesn't seem um, like it's completely making up for for the huge loss that we experienced last year. Um, but I think all in all, we just see it as completely unacceptable. I mean, to watch our friends, <laughs> our friends, and our neighbors who who spent their whole lives in Indiana, um, who worked hard, um, who despite a lot of systemic challenges, made it to university, um, be kicked out, basically. This seems like another issue in which it it would require, I guess, some state, it would require state uh, action, action on behalf of the the legislature, Mm -hmm. uh, which is, you know, currently controlled by super majorities of Republicans in both the the House and Mm -hmm. and the Senate. Uh, But how do you feel like the university has responded? Is there a culture at IU, do you think, that's that's accepting of students who who are undocumented or, or no? I, I think there's definitely support. Dream IU, I, I think, is a very is an organization on campus that I think is is very supported um, by a lot of individuals in the law school and the honors college. Um, I, don't, uh, well, I, I missed the question. I, I mean, the question is basically: Do you think that that IU is is supporting uh, undocumented students, or I mean, yeah. are they kind of being left? Hung, hanging out to dry. That's that's kind of what yeah. I'm asking. I mean, there's definitely no direct aid from my from my UN. You know, when 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 states do this, um, we know that there are kind of there tend to be a push for some private scholarships and private funding so that some of those individuals um, can somehow afford the out of state tuition. But it, it no, it's never enough. It's never enough to cover all the students. Um, so while well, I think that there there's a culture on campus that. Um, has been given a lot of support and, you know, the f- students from Dream IU are the ones working with the um, legislators on SB 207. Um, I think we'd like to see our university um, take really strong stances on all of these demands. Um, our board of trustees, for example, is, while they are mostly unelected um, and not very accountable, they are very powerful people. Um, and and we would like them to take a stance to consider this as unacceptable as we consider it. And just to, just to clarify, 
uh, what you just said. Six of the nine trustees are appointed by the governor. Three of them are elected by alumni, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, I I did want to move on. We we have a a few more minutes left in the show, but another, uh, Another thing that's on that list of demands is is to to quote end the wage freeze, and I, I wondered if you could just explain what what you mean by wage freeze, and uh, are, are any of the workers who are affected by this wage freeze involved in in these organizing efforts at all? Uh, okay, so to begin, I may be talking about the wage freeze separately from that uh, from the workers who have been involved, but the, so the wage freeze, um, it's it's hard to pinpoint because there's the university uh, contracts labor to like a lot of different things. There's different, there's just different workers and or like different companies that control the like contracting of the thing. So there is confusing um, things within this because some workers aren't under the same wage, free, but, but in 2009 there was, um, and since then there has been uh, a wage freeze that they, their wages haven't been, um, increasing with that of inflation. So they're not, I mean, I was talking to somebody who was promised uh, like a dollar raise or something and hasn't gotten it in in the past couple of years. So like there's just things like that, but it's just, um, it's, 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 it's really hard to pinpoint because there's like, even in each, um, like for food courts, for example, like there, there are different um, people who are contracting like within the, the thing, the different thing, uh, like RPS is separate from some of the the more privately contracted, like uh, like there's Pizza Hut in the IMU or something like that. So like there's different accountability. So it's it's hard to say, like, what the one thing is. But there has been through for university workers, um, wait like this 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 wage freeze. Yeah, but, and basically what we've seen and what we've heard from workers and what we've uh, what's um, a lot of the organizers. Organizers have read in the contracts is that up until 2008, 2009, workers could consistently expect um, yeah. raises each year that were in line with inflation. And after 2008, 2009, um, kind of the time of the economic crisis, those raises stopped um, happening at the rate of inflation, which ends up being a pay cut um, right. for, for a lot of workers. Um, we know we're talking to workers who have been working for the university for 10, 15, 20 years and, and haven't seen their wages go up um, in the past three, four years at all and who's, who are living, um, making much below living wages. Um, and on a, on a university campus, we don't think that's acceptable um, at all. And I wondered, like you guys talked earlier about some of the restrictions on uh, workers like that. Are they able to participate in, in this um, in this strike, whether in the organizing or in the actual day of? There's, there's, well, so it's it's a no strike clause. They've been even union workers have been advised not to participate even in organizing. I mean, they were they were told not to come to mass assembly meetings. Um, so no, pretty much. And they've been threatened. threatened. It's not. It's not just. It's not just. Oh, you know, we'd like you to not go. Your job is at stake. Is, is at stake if you don't go. So it's that's it. Like, just talking about it is just hard because. It's it's the, the communication has been like really um, like difficult to like create open channels because you, they have to they're like any, any meetings that happen have to like be outside of or like I don't know yeah so outreach has happened via private meetings um, firing in work rooms um, talking one on one in hallways I mean it, it's it's really sad but that's how we've had to go to go about it um, and 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 for me the kind of um, 
almost cheesy picture I have when I think about workers is I think about how the, you know, the person who cleans the desk I sit in is never going to make enough for um, he or her and especially their children to go to the university. And, and I don't think that's um, okay. Well, that's, uh, we, we just have a couple more minutes, but um, could you talk about the, the sort of near-term plans for uh, before uh, leading up to the strike? I know that there are some, some plans maybe for, for mass, uh, you know, meetings, that sort of thing. So, yeah, so March 21st, oh, I don't know the time. Oh, there's, there's a mass assembly on March 21st. In and there's a, there's a website as well, right, where yeah. people can find out that sort of information? Yeah, ioonstrike.tumblr.com, uh, you can find uh, info for that. But there, so, yeah, so this will be, like, sort of the last um, big planning meeting um, before the strike to, like, really solidify what happened, like, what's going to happen and, like, you know, to get into the actual specifics of where people are going to be and, and, and how it's all going to, like, work. Um, so it's going to be a really important day um, for... Being to to con to make these plans concrete and to give like people um, like a, a a vision of what's going to happen because that seems to be a thing is people um, are having a hard time envisioning the strike um, only because it's just a really hard thing to envision just because there's like so many different hoops and hurdles and like communication lines that have been cut and whatever so like this this will be a really important time uh, to come and uh, to help in the process. And then there's going to be um, a conference called Our IU, the week of the strike, that'll bring together um, mostly like representatives from different student groups um, and just different parts of campus who um, want to talk about their grievances in the strike. And then maybe more and more in maybe a policy sense, like legislative, like how to mm -hmm. how to how to work within the university structure to uh, advocate for, you know, more student control. Um, yeah. And there will right. be art-oriented activities the week before. And we have been speaking with uh, Samantha Harrell and, and Tucker Lang, both IU students involved with organizing a strike at IU on April 11th and 12th. Uh, thank you both for joining us today. Thank you. And uh, I, I'm your host, uh, Joe Crawford. Uh, thank you tonight to our uh, news director, the uh, engineer for tonight's program, Allison Bektesh. Allison is also the executive producer of Interchange. Our original theme music is by Jamil Effium. Stay tuned for jazz coming up next on WFHB. Real people. Real issues. This is your forum. This is Interchange. Written and produced entirely by volunteers working in the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Interchange fosters unfiltered open dialogue on the people, issues, and events impacting life in South Central Indiana and beyond. Comments, suggestions, and program ideas may be sent directly to the Interchange staff. The email address is news at wfhb.org. That address once again is news at wfhb.org. Thank you.